Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for tuning in to Belmont Buzz. I'm your host, Joanna Juvelis. And today we're going to be talking to Select Board Vice Chairman Roy Epstein. Roy is running for re-election to the Select Board in the upcoming election April 5th. This will be his second term serving on the board if he wins, which right now it looks like he will because as of today, which is January 26th, there is no one else running for select board. However, the deadline is February 16th for people to pull papers and file papers. So we'll see if that happens. Right, Roy? Roy, welcome. Yeah, I'm very curious to see what happens by by February 16th. So for people who aren't familiar with Roy, which I don't know who wouldn't be by now, uh, I will just give a little brief introduction and um, thank you again for coming on the show. Roy, uh, I know that you live in Belmont with your wife, Joanna, same name as me. You've lived here since 1994, and you are currently semi-retired, right? You you were uh, an economics professor at Boston College, my alma mater. Yes, and I, but my principal activity was actually doing something called litigation consulting, and okay. so I'm fully retired from Boston College and semi-retired from litigation consulting. But you are an expert economist, is that right? Yes. So you are definitely a numbers guy, which is why you may have won, you know, the seat the first time around and why you'll most likely win it again the second time. I mean, I think a lot of people know that you are good at numbers and you have found solutions to uh, problems. For instance, was it um, just just refresh my memory? Uh, you found money for the DPW and police station project, which just which just happened. Well, it, it, it wasn't so much finding money as finding a strategy to work with the money that we had. And uh, which is that, what that, it's all about. Right. That's yes. what it's all about. Working with the money we have, which I know isn't much. <laughs> yeah. And but and I would say that's. That, that's what I'm bringing to the table for the most part is just finding ways to get things done. Well, it's nice to see you running again. And, and I can't believe the last time I had you on the show, we did a New Year's show. It was December of 2020. I think I interviewed you outside of Starbucks. It was it was like for a 10 year uh, looking at the past decade and the decade to come. And did we ever anticipate that COVID would be in this new decade? No. In fact, I can't believe that was two years ago. It just seems like a blur. 
I know. I, I can't believe it either. So speaking of blur, when you look back at the last three years since you were elected, how does it make you feel? Uh, you know, personally, it's it's been a source of growth. Uh, there have been a lot of challenges, and uh, I'd like to think that we were successful in meeting most of them, not not all of them. But uh, it's been uh, a very interesting to me personally, and I'd like to think that it's been beneficial to the town. Well, speaking of challenges, when you say challenges, when you were chair. You, you, you served as chair, it was the height of COVID. Meetings were Zoom only, participation was very high. It was also the aftermath of Henry Tapia's death, the black man killed by a white man in Belmont. The override was on the ballot. Times were very tense as they still are, but probably more so. And many people would run from such a situation. They might, they might have resigned or they would say, I'm definitely not running again when my seat's up. So how are you able to face, you know, how are you able to face this difficult time and how are you willing to continue to face it? Well, in part, uh, I have the time to do it, but I also think that for all of the issues that you mentioned, and actually I think there were many more. I'm uh, sure there were. I, I think we actually came up with constructive solutions for the most part. So it makes me think that uh, if we can continue a winning streak like that, uh, I'm happy to do it. Well, I know it definitely takes time and um, you have it, which is good because you're semi-retired. This, Why do you think no one else has stepped up to the plate and, and thrown their name in? The- uh, well, it's, <laughs> I think for many people, it's, it's actually not very appealing. Uh, it's, I have to say with COVID and with the particular issues that have come along, uh, particularly when I was chair, I would say this consumed, you know, sometimes 15, 20, even 25 hours a week. And it, it, that's just a difficult commitment for many people to make, but, but I was able to do it. You are. Now, Belmont is a town with, with considerable diversity. However, it's, you know, it's often divided when it comes to issues such as leaf blowing, uh, ride, the rink, the library, the community path, parking. (laughs) Is it possible to, I mean, as a select board member, that's challenging when you have two different sides and then it's up to the three of you to make a decision that, you know, hopefully will satisfy both sides in some way. So how do you do that? Uh, I, I have a somewhat old-fashioned view of things. I would say maybe from the 18th century that uh, I, I think it is possible to step back and uh, look at a situation in, in a in a genuinely objective way. Collect as much information as you can, and I, you know, you'd be surprised how often. Uh, a sufficient number of people agree on what's reasonable. You, you can't satisfy everybody, but I, I think, you know, Abraham Lincoln said that. Uh, I, but on most issues that have come up, uh, there, there's been a majority view that feels that uh, that there's a reasonable way to proceed and, and the processes that we have uh, 
generally have been able to find it. You know, when when there's been issues, and I, you know, and I've said publicly, you know, things like civil service. Uh, it, uh, if something doesn't work out, then either you try again or you abandon it. But uh, you know, I, I think that we've been able thus far to find solutions. So that gives me optimism that we will continue to find solutions. Well, what would you say is the greatest disappointment? Um, something that that you said you you tried and you'll try again, so like civil service, like the the fuel tank replacement. I mean, what, what would you say failed over the past three years that, you know, besides you override? I mean, what would you say failed that you definitely hope to try again over the past three years? Well, um, that's a good question. I, From my point of view, um, I think civil service and also the fuel tanks are one which, uh, you know, you, you never know. Certainly I was in my first term and in my, I was a fairly new chair of the select board. Um, you know, you, sometimes you're caught by surprise what issues really get uh, the focus of a lot of attention. And you know, civil service was one of those, and we just didn't do enough groundwork. Uh, it, I've learned now that when I really, um, when an issue comes before a town meeting that's really controversial, you have to start doing the preparation way in advance of town meeting. It's not enough to to do right. it the week or two before or a month before. It's it's a lengthy process. Right. So can you explain to our viewers who may not be familiar what, what the civil service is that that town meeting didn't approve? What, what were we trying to make happen? And do you think we'll try again? Well, um, this is um, revisiting an issue that's now almost a year and a half old, but um, mm -hmm. many people in town, myself included, uh, came to believe that civil service um, was an outmoded form of employee protection, and that, that's what it is. Um, this is for this is for police and fire. Well, currently in Belmont, it's police and fire. At one time, it also included uh, public works, but public okay. works left civil service. Maybe I don't know, twenty or twenty-five years okay. ago. So, so when the police and fire department have an opening, they have to use this civil service civil service method to fill that opening. Right. There's a list that they get and they can only work with that list of potential candidates. They can't do their own independent outside search. Right. So yes, it, it's it's highly it's limited that way. And the the. Um, it, it makes the hiring process actually very prolonged and expensive for reasons I don't, don't need to get into, but it makes the process long and expensive. Right. And it also, importantly for those two departments, it, it really limits the diversity of the pool. So right. uh, we, uh, uh, I think the board felt and town administrator felt and others in town felt that it was possible to make a more efficient hiring process, get a more diverse pool of candidates and uh, maintain the same level of worker protection using um, 
collective bargaining mechanisms that have emerged since civil service was was adopted. You know, that was back in 1911 or 1915 or something like that. But, you know, town meeting didn't agree. And, uh, you know, so we it's important enough to pursue this that uh, we are uh, we are going to pursue this. Uh, not, well, not this spring, perhaps, but at some point in the future. Uh, is another reason you're running because there is some unfinished business that you feel like you just don't want to abandon? Is Are there priorities, you would say, that you've identi- identified things that you really hope to accomplish the next three years that you didn't get to accomplish these past three years? Um, I would say the most important unaddressed issues are for me, the the capital budget requirements of the town, uh, even when there was the discussion of the override a year ago, uh, the focus was really on the operating budget. And I don't think there was sufficient discussion of really urgent capital needs. So that, uh, yeah, and we're talking about a good amount of money there. Such as like the rink and the library. Well, rink, library, the school buildings uh, Mm -hmm. are going to need to, they're going to require a lot of money. You're talking about buildings like Butler School that they're just old. They require work. Uh, Even Chenery, um, you know, my kids, my older son went to Chenery, I think the first year it opened, but that building is now 25 years old. And it, it's just an iron law of economics that buildings just run down. And uh, you, they you try to, to build them to last 50 years, but it doesn't always happen. <laughs> well, but the, but they only last Same. that long if they're kept up. Yeah. Do you do you feel like Belmont is doing a good job of maintaining what it has? I think it needs to do more. Uh, I, you know, part of that also is um, I think our town departments are really leanly staffed. And at some point, there's a limit to how much you can ask people to do. You know, the, the DP, you know, I've always, you know, ever since I was on the Warren Committee and was in charge of the uh, subcommittee that reviewed DPW, I've always felt that DPW was asked to do uh, an awful lot with the resources they were given. Their staffing, Compared to what the number of people who used to work there, the staffing is down by 30% or something like that. So that, you know, a lot of services end up getting curtailed. The residents might even not, might not even see it because it's unglamorous stuff like cleaning out um, sewer grates and things like that. But Although we have seen the trash in Belmont Center. I think that's getting better finally, but. Well, yeah, and I, you know, that's something which I think was an example of an issue. When when you think about it, there's a way to do it, and it actually didn't cost that much. So for ten thousand dollars, I think is what it came came down to, or fifteen thousand dollars mm-hmm. for the season. Yeah, the trash in Belmont Center and and the other business centers could be greatly improved, and also the parks. So it's, you know, in many issues that uh, come up. A lot of times there's no, you know, cookbook formula for how to deal with it. It really, it really requires somebody to take an interest and study it. Um, and that's what you do, right? That's what I like to do. That is what um, you like to do. Somebody has well, to care. In July of 2020, 
That was a good month, I think, Roy, because there was a very short window of in-person meetings where we didn't have to wear masks. Remember that? Barely. (laughs) (laughs) I I wonder if we'll ever be there again. Some people say, or I should say many people say, Belmont is too strict. Other neighboring towns like Burlington and Woburn have lifted the mask mandate. Many say this strictness has hurt business like Jamaica Jeffs, which recently closed. What do you say to that? Well, you know, I'm hesitant to make predictions. A lot of people complained about the mask restriction when we put it back on in August. And I said my hope was that it was a temporary inconvenience. But temporary has now become six months. But the, the signs, and partly because Omicron really was a surprise. But the signs are that, you know, there may be really uh, an end in sight. So, you know, I I would ask people to put up with it for a little while longer. Uh, And I'm sure that we will do something that makes sense. There are, uh, what, what people have to realize is that there are very strong points of view held by the residents of Belmont. And it's like, it's like a 360 degree range of opinion. So uh, even if something might make sense, you have to persuade enough people that it's the right thing to do. So the mask mandate, I I agree, it's probably reaching the limits of its usefulness, but but we still have to bring people along before um, making that change. Have you noticed the vacancies that just keep getting more and more? Yes. Yeah. And and Cushing Square. Yeah. It's very disturbing. Yes. Is is the select board? I know there's an economic development committee. Is there anything that can be done to try to, you know, increase the revenue by getting these businesses back? Or do these businesses even help Belmont's revenue? They do, right? If they're a restaurant that helps our revenue. We probably want more restaurants, don't we? <laughs> uh, yeah, I should watch what I say because uh, I, I'm unfortunately I have many. I, I've been influenced by my European friends who are the, like much more eating and drinking. But uh, I think there's a limit to what the town can do. Uh, we can, you know, the business environment, such as having enough parking or having. Um, I would actually like to consider changing our liquor laws a little bit to make it easier to serve alcohol in restaurants. But, you know, anytime you want to make a change, you'd be surprised how much controversy it generates. Um, But for basic things like, you know, the biggest expenses that a restaurant faces right now, like getting help, you know, the town, the town can't really assist restaurants finding wait staff and dishwashers and that sort of thing. And the, and the rents are high in Belmont, uh, but we can't tell landlords what to charge. So that we can, we can work most effectively with things that are under, under the town's control, like some of the regulations and parking. And I thought the um, summer hours in Belmont center went very well. We can, we can do that again, but uh, for the, the fundamental issue about finding somebody with enough courage to open a restaurant in Belmont, that's, you know, that, that, that there's a limit to what the select board can do. Now it'll be interesting to see what does uh, fill all these vacancies. Yeah. I will tell, and you can read about it for sure. I'll be writing about it. <laughs> yep. 
So there seems to be a, a, about a $3 million shortfall on the Belmont High School project, which I'm sure you've been hearing about. Um, they're going to be uh, talking about this at an upcoming meeting and uh, the, the high school building committee has to figure out how they're going to make cuts to um, so that they can stay on budget. And, you know, the high school project is not done. It's, it's phase two is what's happening. They're building, you know, the grade seven and eight portion of, of the building. So this is um, this could affect what they do west of Harris Field. It could affect solar panels. There's many things that um, could be cut as a result of this. So you are aware of this, right? Yes. What, how do you think this happened, Roy? I mean, from what I understand, they were looking at about $300,000 in December, and all of a sudden they announced earlier this month that it's $3 million. So within a month, it jumped from $300,000 to $3 million. And I know they're still working on these numbers, and we'll present it you know, in more detail again in early February. But um, how did something like this happen? What what went wrong here? I well, there I, I don't know in detail, but I, I can tell you since I because I was much closer to the police station project and the DPW project. Um, you know, unexpected things always happen in a construction project. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the the circumstances at the high school were different than the police station, but my understanding is that. Um, uh, they incurred a lot of overtime that was not contemplated because they they really needed to be open by September 1. And the overtime was expensive. Uh, I think there were some engineering questions that were that uh, were caused some unexpected expense. And there's a pile of dirt out there, which uh, uh, as we learned from the police station, disposal of soil is um, can be very expensive. So lo- lots of things can conspire against you, which is why these projects have contingencies in them. Uh, but now I guess the question is whether the conting- contingency in the high school is sufficient. I can tell you that the building committee is meeting to um, do what they, the, the name is value engineering. You know, they had a round of value engineering when the process, when the project first started. Yeah. And they're going to go back and see what can be done about the second half of the project. And I don't want to get ahead of myself. There is uh, some exploration of um, how to address some of the larger ticket items that remain. So there, yeah. there may yet be a solution, but this is all, this, this is when committees are really challenged to solve uh, problems that come up. And I, I'm hopeful now that there will be a solution for this. I do not want it to go over budget. I think that would be very damaging uh, for other projects such as library and uh, hockey rink. So that I think the school needs to find a way to come in on budget. Well, since you mentioned the library and the hockey rink, let's talk about that um, next. These are two projects that really need to get done. The library has um, many issues. You know, anyone that's seen the, the campaign for their fundraising knows or toward the building knows that it's a very old building and, and it's more cost effective to just tear it down and rebuild. 
And the rink, if anybody's been there recently, as, as I actually was, you know, it's it's definitely very rundown. It's still functioning and being used a lot, though, same as the library. Um, but it could fail according to, you know, other people. It could it could fail at any time. And then that would be disastrous. Same for the library. Right. I mean, so. How are we going to get these projects done, Roy? I mean. The override didn't pass a debt exclusion, the likelihood of that passing. I don't know. So is there a way to get any of these things done without an override or without a debt exclusion? No, well, the library definitely needs a debt exclusion. I don't see any way around that. Um, the current building, from all that I've heard and seen, is it's not worth spending a significant amount of money to mm-hmm. fix it. I don't, I don't. It's not cost effective to, right. to to work with it. So a new building is necessary. Uh, the voters are going to have to decide whether the plan that's been proposed is acceptable. Um, you know, to me, it looks okay, but uh, you know, people can differ on that. Uh, but for the basic question of should the town have a library, I, I think the answer is clear. Yes, you, I, I can't imagine the town not having a library, and, and a library is going to require debt exclusion. The rink is an interesting question. Uh, you know, the committee that has been appointed recently is going to explore ways of um, specifying a rink that might be less costly than what the architect had ballparked uh, a year ago or last spring. I forget when exactly, last spring. Okay, that's Um, But it's still going to be uh, a significant amount of money. I'm curious to see what the rink finance committee will propose. They have not announced the plan thus far. Uh, I have have some thoughts of my own, but I'm going to wait for the rink finance committee to um, release uh, their proposal before commenting on that further. But I, I would say now, as I've said before, I think there's a way to do it that would actually be uh, an easy pill for the town to swallow. When do you see either of these projects, um, a debt exclusion for either, being on a town ballot? Uh, well, the library. Are they planning? Uh, the library really expects to be on the ballot in November of this year. Right, right. You know, when you, when you do the math uh, between the time a debt exclusion is on the ballot and the building is actually built, so much time goes by that I, I don't think the current building will still be serviceable. So you kind of get locked into a schedule that starts this year for the library and probably oh. something similar for the rink because it's, mm-hmm. it's in very dilapidated condition. You don't, you don't think, do you think it would be a good idea to package the debt exclusion for both projects? Combine them. Well, people have certainly proposed that I, I'm not persuaded that's the best strategy, but I, uh, I really want to wait for the Rink Finance Committee to uh, make their report uh, to, this, to see what the best strategy might be. I, I think uh, I want a strategy that maximizes the probability of getting both. Yes. So that, that's still a work in progress. Um, 
we could we could talk about we could actually talk all day about everything going on in Belmont, couldn't we? But we are limited to thirty minutes. I want to um, just talk about what recently happened, and that is um, the news that Town Administrator Patrice Garvin was a finalist for the Reading Town Manager position. So. Mm-hmm. As it turns out, they chose another candidate. So she is still with Belmont. But there was that short period of time where you were potentially going to lose Belmont's town administrator. We're also now without an assistant town administrator. Um, So that would have been two vacancies. Luckily, we still have Patrice. So the question I guess I have is, um, how is Belmont going to keep her? (laughs) Oh, well. Well, her contract runs for a couple of years, so I yeah. You know, well, I she was she was prepared to break that, and she has that right. But the question is, yeah, like how is the select board now that they've kind of had this red flag? Is is the select board doing anything to prepare for? Okay, what if this happens again, or just trying to prevent it from happening and happening again? You know, I don't know how you can. I don't know. Well. Um, Patrice is here. Uh, you know, I have stated publicly my uh, support for Patrice uh, over the last uh, two years. And I, I still think Patrice is a tremendous asset for the town. This It's an extremely difficult job. Uh, people have no idea what the range of responsibilities are for the town administrator. And how humanly difficult it is to fulfill that. I think Patrice right. is doing an outstanding job. Uh, we have posted for the assistant town man, um, town administrator slash finance director, and I expect that position will be filled uh, sometime by springtime. Mm-hmm. And that will be the team. Uh, you know, and if something changes at that point, we'll worry about it if it happens. Is there a possibility that um, Belmont could make the town administrator position a town manager position? And I'm not sure if there's really a difference. Is it just a different, I, or is there really different responsibilities? People have said that in the past, but if you, <clears throat> actually I revisited that question because I looked at what actually goes on in, in Reading because that was a town manager position. Uh, there's not actually a great deal of difference between the structure in Reading and the um, structure in Belmont. The, the principal difference, really, organizationally, is that the, the, um, uh, the treasurer in Reading uh, reported to the town manager. And in Belmont, mm-hmm. the treasurer is an independently elected position. Uh, so, but otherwise, uh, the scope of responsibility uh, for the town administrator in Belmont is very comparable to Reading. So I, I don't really see that as a, there wouldn't, I don't see the advantage of moving. I don't even see what it would mean to move to a town manager in Belmont. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that we are, we are probably running out of time. Um, might have time for one more question. So sure. I'll ask you, or just I'll just mention that as of today, which is January 26th, there is one race in the upcoming election. Do you know what that is? 
Well, the light board. The three people running for a two-year seat. Am I right? Yes. Okay. So light board is actually a new position on the ballot. Um, There are five of them, five seats. And it's nice to see that there's so many people interested. Um, Why why did this become uh, something that, that they decided? I know town meeting voted to have it be an elected position versus appointed. What do you, what do you think about that? Do you think that was a good move? And. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I believe, I think I was the, uh, the source of the initial uh, effort to make these elected uh, a separately elected board. I, I think it's fine. I went out on a limb last spring and said, I thought there would be a sufficient number of people interested in running. And mm-hmm. sure enough, it's a contested race. Why do you think it's better for it to be elected versus versus appointed? I think the because I think just for the independence, the there was a concern before that the select board uh, making appointments, then the light board becomes an instrument of the select board and being independently elected. I, I think it's really a separate business. It requires separate oversight, and the people who are running. Uh, I think there are very qualified candidates who are running. So I think it'll be fine. The selectmen uh, did not have enough time to do proper oversight over the light board. And I, I think just breaking it off as a separate activity is the right way to go. Okay. Well, looking ahead, three years from uh, starting on April 5th, what are you most passionate about? What do you really hope to accomplish during that time? What do you hope to change? I hope to make progress on the the backlog of um, capital projects, which runs everywhere from school buildings, town buildings, roads, uh, water mains, sewer. The the water main in, in my street was installed in 1898. Oh, wow. You know, we, there's a backlog of, things to do. And I want to make sure we get to it. Um, And there are uh, unexpected things that come up all the time, whether it was the high school parking issue or something like uh, where somebody just needs to find a solution. And I think high school parking is on the way to finding a good solution. And there are other examples. Uh, I'm concerned about 40B, frankly, we didn't talk about the Beatrice Circle project, but. Um, well, I know that that's still kind of uh, not. We thought that was put to bed, but not quite. Well, it's in litigation, but, you know, there, there will be a challenge for um, that sort of development in Belmont for the next couple of years. You know, the governor has passed a new zoning requirement where there has to be a a multifamily uh, development within a half mile of an MBTA station. Mm-hmm. Belmont is so built up, there's not a lot of room for that, but uh, it's going to be a mandate. So there, there's going to be no lack of um, questions to deal with in the next three years. I know. And these developers that have that project proposed with Beatrice Circle, they are known for having more than one project in a town. So yeah. more coming. And I, I suspect that other developers are looking at them to see how it goes. And then, you know, other people will pile in potentially uh, 
depending on how this one works out. Yeah, I, I do wish we had more time. And um, thinking, I think the only other thing I'll just mention is the Bradford project. Yep. Bradford project in Cushing Square is done, but the retail part of it is not being rented. And for those that don't know that, it's because there is a lawsuit that just keeps dragging on and on and on between the former owner of the property and the current new owner. And it's basically uh, over the rights to the retail. So the former owner wants the rights to that retail and Toll Brothers says, sorry, you can't have it anymore because basically the cost of the cleanup exceeded uh, this amount that we agreed on. You didn't pay it. You were supposed to and you didn't pay it. So that's kind of the long and short of it. Um, And as a result, a lot of businesses in Cushing Square are suffering as they have been. They were all hoping that maybe these stores would get rented so that there'd be more foot, foot traffic, et cetera. So can the town do anything? Is there anything the town can do? Can you talk uh, to the store? <laughs> I, I, this seems to be a, a nightmare scenario of two private parties who are fighting each other. And I don't know that the town has any role to play. This is a business dispute that uh, is most unfortunate, but I, I don't see how the, I don't see what role the town could play. We don't have any rights in the project. Um, we were paid a million dollars for the parking lot, which is we have in, that's money in the bank. But uh, in terms of sorting out these disputes over rights to the retail, uh, I don't know what we can do. I'm, I'm just hoping that the apartments are rented. Every, you know, I live very close to there. I walk by in the evening and I try to count how many lights are on in the oh, apartment. Oh, really? How does it look? Well, there are more than before, but I think they have a ways to go still. Okay. <laughs> well, at least Starbucks is still there, right, Roy? Well, Starbucks, yeah, they they seem yes very indestructible. They're always there. Well, I, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I wish you luck in the upcoming election. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Joanna. And maybe there'll be a debate, or maybe there won't. We'll see what happens. Yeah. February 16th, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Belmont Buzz. I will buzz off for now. (laughs) Bye-bye. See you later. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.